baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There's no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from the Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Well, the paraphrase here on the third day of October 2018 Mr. Vin Scully, I could be quoting, I'm not 100% sure I'm covering my butt by saying it's a paraphrasing, not a bad opening act. Not a bad opening act. That's what he said in game one of the 1988 World Series before Kirk Gibson hit the home run. So now we start off the postseason after having that bizarre ending to the season with four blowouts that caused a pair of uh, one-game winner moves on, loser faces the other loser scenario. And the Cubs are done. And the Rockies move on. Now, it's astonishing how the Rockies can beat everybody but the Dodgers. They've lost, since the beginning of September, they have lost three games to any team not called the Dodgers and six games to the Dodgers. They've lost twice as many games to the Dodgers as they have to the rest of the field in September of 2018. Well, that being said, they went into Chicago and... Give the Cubs pitching staff and their defense a lot of credit because the Rockies were a hot team with some big bats and they were held to two runs, one in the first and one in the 13th. They bookended the game and give the Rockies credit that they held the Cubs to a single run in 13 innings and it looked like it was going to be a shutout. The Cubs bats, man... They were held. They had that big, huge outburst against St. Louis in the final game of the season, but they scored one run against Milwaukee and one run against the Rockies. Who should I talk about? Which team should I talk about? You know what? Let's get. Let's talk about the Cubs first, because this is a this is a requiem for the Cubs. This is going to be a brutal offseason, but a brutal offseason with a new sense of security. This is the first of its kind for Cubs fans. I'll tell you what I mean by that. The there, There's no way around this. This is disastrous for the Cubs. Disastrous. In a year where the National League was wide open... For a gigantic chunk of September, the Cubs were in first place by themselves and and with home field advantage through the National League Championship Series. And the Milwaukee Brewers had to win their final eight games to catch and then pass the Cubs. The Brewers were dancing and jumping up and down and pouring beer on Bob Euchre a week and a half ago because it was clear they made the playoffs, but they probably weren't going to catch the Cubs. So that was their big celebration. 
One more win. One more win in April, May, June, July, August, or September. And the Cubs win the division without the hanky-panky on Monday. And they have the home field throughout the rest of the season. The postseason, that is. And they have it with Lester pitching all right, with Hamels, with Hendricks. And you would have to pick them to win the pennant. Now, Fox would have been jumping up and down because you would have had the possibility of a Red Sox-Cubs World Series or whatever. But this would have been the year that the Cubs add on to the dynasty. It's like when the Red Sox won in 2007, it made the 2004 championship. It, it was a signal to Red Sox fans. Going, All right, this wasn't a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. This can happen. And whether or not the Cubs were going to win or not the World Series, certainly another pennant would have gone a long way. But now, Cub fans are going to have to look at this offseason with a sense of one additional win would have turned this into a Cub October, or at least an October that had to go through Wrigley. Instead, they are a one-and-done wildcard team. They are the 2013 Reds, who I bet you forgot even made the damn playoffs. The Cubs are out. O-W-T, out. With no consolation prize. No, oh, we played tough. Oh, we played this. Oh, we played that. They were expected to win. And they made all the right moves for reinforcements down the stretch. Bringing in Hamels. Bringing in Delarosa, Bringing in Murphy. Patching the team together so they're ready to go. And they were, you know, a bounce here or a bounce there. And they're moving on to the division series to face Milwaukee. Or a bounce here or a bounce there at any point in the season. And they're the division champs waiting for the drum of the National League to go through all this while they sit and wait for home field advantage. And now here we are. And you are going to dissect this game like crazy. That some of the moves and some of the decisions that Joe Madden made were... Look at Madden... I'm, you know, I'm a little tired of him, but, you know, he's an undeniably terrific manager. But we're in a situation where the Cubs had the season on the line and the leadoff batter was Terrence Gore, who has one more career hit than me. That Anthony Rizzo was out of the game. His bat was out of the game. Gore was at the plate, and he nearly got hit by a pitch. And if he got hit by a pitch, he would have, you know, that's that's the equivalent of him hitting a double because he would have stolen second base. But here we are. But there was also just, I mean, there was a parade of relievers and pinch hitters 
You know, Schwarber had only one appearance. You know, he didn't stay in the game. They were in a situation where they used all of their pinch hitters very early, including a guy who I'd never heard of named Victor Caratini, who came up with two outs in the 10th or the 11th inning with a chance to win with, with a runner on, with a runner in scoring position, where a swing by him could have sent the Cubs, could have clinched it. Now, if I had told you going into this game that a reserve catcher that I've never heard of, or, I mean, I think I've heard of him. Like it, it just His name didn't stick with me. I mean, he's no Biff Pocaroba. He's no Gino Petrali. He's no Nelson Santovania or whatever other obscure catcher I can pull up at this point. That if you told me an obscure catcher who began this, this game on the bench would deliver the big hit and up came Caratini, I would say, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. But instead he made the out. And then in the 12th inning... With two outs and nobody on, single, single, and in comes to, uh, Tony Walters, 170 career hitter, base hit up the middle off of Hendricks, and next thing you know, the Colorado Rockies have the victory. You're going to be able to pick apart this. Did Madden overmanage? Could they have squeezed one more inning out of Lester? Did they pull people like Wilson, who faced just one batter? You know, De La Rosa was available. To, I mean, you know, there's moves here and there that, you know, did he, did, did he pull too many people too quickly? Was he too cute that put them in a situation where Gore is batting with a season on the line? That Gore gets two at-bats? I don't know. But they will dissect how they played down the stretch of which they lost a chance to have home field advantage throughout the postseason. But here is the elixir. Here is the tonic. Here is the salve. Here is the anison. Any other metaphors I can throw your way? This is also the first brutal Cubs loss after 2016. I don't count last year's loss in the National League Championship Series to be brutal because the Dodgers were the better team, the Dodgers were the favored team, and they won it rather decisively. They won it four games to one. That was not devastating. And the Cubs had won a super dramatic series with the Washington Nationals. This was not devastating last year. This is devastating. This is bone-crushing. This is franchise at a crossroads. And the thing that I'm remembering as a Boston Red Sox fan is the great collapse of 2011. Where they just, that was a month-long catastrophe for the team that resulted in that final day of the season where they were one swing away from putting it all to rest and getting into the postseason. And they wound up losing when the Orioles rallied, and then the Rays won, clinching the wildcard spot. That was crushing. It was franchise-altering. It wound up costing Terry Francona his job. And ultimately, 
put the entire franchise into a situation where they just stare in the mirror and wonder what the hell they had on their hands. Now, two years later, they won a world championship, but that's neither here nor there. But as crushing as that was for Red Sox fans, there was a sense of, well, that's a loss. That sucked. But it's not a metaphysical thing. We're not thinking about our dead grandparents. We're not looking at the ghosts of the past. It's now a loss, a baseball team lost because they had won the championship. And now, Cub fans, you will be experiencing that. You will be experiencing that this is rough, but it's only rough in terms of baseball. You won't be thinking, oh my God, this happens to us every time. I will never experience joy. How could anyone believe a God exists if such horrific circumstances can befall upon us at a regular basis. You won't be quoting the book of Job when you look at this. You'll just be looking at it from a baseball point of view. This is the first test. This is why you win that championship and why it's a positive thing. Not because you remember that night in Cleveland and you remember the uh, base hit by Zobrist. You remember Mike Montgomery coming in and getting the final out. Remember in that game when Rajay Davis hit the home run, every single Cub fan in the world, whether you're a Cubs fan with an eight or Joe Montana, you were thinking the same thing. Oh my God, it's happening again. And everything came through your head. Leon Durham, Steve Garvey, the black cat, the, the game which, is, which should be called the Alex Gonzalez game but has been dubbed the Steve Bartman game, the James Loney Grand Slam, all the stuff piled up again and again and again and again, and you thought of all of that right back to 1908 and Teddy Roosevelt as president. And then they won, and all that's lifted, all that's erased. And this is when you're happy they won. Not during the celebration, not during the champagne, not during the parade. That's all great. But it's when you have to absorb your first loss. It's the moment of, oh, that sucks. But it only sucks on terms of sports. You saw that with Indians fans, that same game. Where... Yes, the Indians are still waiting for their championship, but it was the whole city of Cleveland that still not won a title since forever. And you saw the catch and the drive and the fumble and the shot and Jose Mesa's meltdown and the decision and all the different, all the stuff that builds up. But earlier that year, the Cavaliers had won. So Cleveland fans had experienced joy of a championship. And with that, the Indians' loss hurt, but it didn't hurt on a metaphysical level. Now, Cub fans, you're going to learn what that means. You are going to learn the advantage of rooting for a team with a recent championship. This sucks. This is a disastrous loss. But it's only a baseball loss. And you will see despite all the morons 
who would say, you're going to miss your old identity of being a choker. You're lovable. All the shit that they would say to us Red Sox fans. No, it's great. Because you can think about losses. Losses happen. But, like, as a Red Sox fan, you had 2011, that great collapse. And you also had, for me, uh, the 2008 ALCS against the Tampa Bay Rays where I desperately wanted to see the Red Sox win that World Series. I wanted them back in. I wanted them in back-to-back years. And they lost that Game 7 with David Price coming in with the bases loaded. And it sucked. I wanted that game so badly. But it didn't keep me up at night. I wasn't connecting it to Harry Frazee selling Babe Ruth to the Red, to the Yankees. Just like this loss is going to suck for you Cub fans. But... But it's also just going to be a loss because you never have to ask the question, will I ever experience this? We came so close to me finally experiencing this. Just imagine how this would have felt as a Cub fan if in that Game 7 against Cleveland in 2016... When Lindor and Santana and Kipnis all came up against Chapman. And if one of them hit a home run, the Indians would have won the World Series. And there would be no parade. There would be no salvation. Now, if this had happened with that being a Cleveland victory, it would have all still be compounded We'll never experience this. We'll never have joy. You have had joy. And you have pain now. But now it's balanced. Before it wasn't balanced. Before it was all pain. And the only way you can think of pleasure is in a hypothetical that seemed beyond the realm of possibility. Now you know you've experienced both. It's a more balanced way of living. And you're going to be able to absorb it. I know. If the Red Sox, you know, obviously I'm not following the Red Sox the way I normally would have because of my anger with the whole Stephen Wright thing. But if the Red Sox should blow it, and I'm, as I said the other day, I'm not picking them to go to the World Series. I think Houston's a better team right now. It's not going to hurt that badly because of the championships we've seen. So observe what's going to happen this offseason and see how much more palatable this loss is with the recent title. Now let's go to the, the Rockies. Either the Rockies or the Brewers will be playing in the National League Championship Series. That's a good thing. One of those two teams who I, I wanted that to be the National League Championship Series because they're both so exciting. And they play such a great brand of baseball. But you're going to see in a best of five series, two teams that look like two locomotives coming at each other at full speed. And one of them's not going to make it. Now, I think Milwaukee is going to be the team that goes all the way to the World Series. But man, a Rockies versus Brewers five-game series. Two teams filled with exciting players. Young players, 
you know, smattering of veterans, you know, players who have played in the postseason with this particular franchise. Ryan Braun in Milwaukee. You have, you know, Carlos Gonzalez and Matt Holliday and Chris Iannetta with the, this Rockies team. It's so much fun. And it, it's it's going to be two franchises that you don't think about as a, as a championship team. They're two of the few franchises to have never have won a World Series title. And not kind of a team that people look at as a marquee franchise. And yet, if you enjoy baseball, what they're going to provide, what they've been providing all season long, has been a fantastic brand of the game. Now, Bud Black made a lot of changes too, and I'm not a fan of going into an elimination extra inning situation and Charlie Blackman not in the lineup anymore. And I, you know, I was not a fan of pulling Freeland when they did because he was pitching so well. But it's hard to argue against Bud Black who went into Wrigley Field and eliminated the Cubs. And a Rockies team, which they fell short of their dreams of winning a National League West crown, at least get this moment where they get to... They're, we're going to have at least one postseason game at Coors Field this decade, and that's a fun thing. But let's talk about the hero, the man who owned October today, Tony Walters. When the game began... He was on the bench. When the first double switch took place involving a new catcher, he was still on the bench. They went to Sal Butera. Was it Sal Butera? No, Sal Butera's the dad. Wait a second. I'm I'm, I'm losing my mind for a second. What's the name of the Butera? I just said Sal Butera, who was a member of the world champion twins in... 1987. Wait a second. Did I, did I get the wrong Butera? Let me let me look this up. It's Drew Butera. Sal's the dad. I just showed my age. But either way, Walters was still on the bench reading Bazooka Joe comics and wondering, oh boy, I'm probably not going to get into this game. And then the 433rd double switch that took place today, and he came. And when it was two outs and nobody on in the top of the 13th, I bet he felt like, geez, well, I'm probably not going to get that bad anytime soon. Base it, base it. In comes, in comes Walters. Two outs, two strikes. Hendricks on the mound. Base hit up the middle. Rockies take the lead, and he becomes the hero of the game etches his name into Denver sports history forever. And when great wildcard games are recounted in our history, as baseball history moves forward, this game is going to be mentioned. That this is going to be called one of the great wildcard games in the history of the round. And he started the game as the third string catcher, career 170 hitter. And I'll tell you one of the things that makes baseball the greatest sport of all is the fact that a Tony Walters can have that moment. 
And another bizarre thing, Terrence Gore is batting with the season on the line. This is something that's incredible about baseball. And I want it never to change. That because you have the lineup and the batters have to come up and take their turn, you can't always have your best player at that situation. If this were basketball and it was you know LeBron James on one side and and you know Kevin Durant on the other you can pass the ball to Durant every time you can pass the ball to to LeBron in football you can always throw it to the same receiver or hand it to the running back in hockey you can set up the same person but in baseball you have to wait for your turn the cubs couldn't just throw Javier Baez to lead off they had to throw Gore they had to put Gore up there first because his spot was coming up. The Rockies couldn't say the game's on the line. Okay, let's bring Arenado up to bat. I couldn't even say his name. Arenado. They couldn't. They had to bat whose turn it was. And it was Tony Walter's turn. And do you know what? It turned out to be Tony Walter's turn. Yes, you'll see the occasional unlikely star get a big catch in football, make a huge tackle, get a shot at the big basketball game. But more often than not, you're going to have with the game on the line, the season on the line, elimination on the line, you don't want to have a situation where the 12th or 13th man on your bench in a basketball team has the ball in their hand. In a tight game like this, the 12th or 13th person on the bench in a basketball team still has their sweatpants on. And in baseball, a 173rd string hitting catcher is at the plate with the season on the line, and he comes through. That is unique to baseball. The frequency of something like that happening is unique. Now, Walter is going to be remembered as another obscure third-string catcher who became a playoff hero like Francisco Cabrera? No. No, Cabrera's hit was bigger. But the fact that we can sit here and compare which third-string catcher in a do-or-die postseason game had the bigger hit, that's a debate that we can have. That just shows the glory of postseason baseball. And not a bad opening act. The Brewers and the Rockies. And and if you don't like that matchup because it's not marquee enough, it's because you're being lazy. Rockies versus the Brewers should be the best thing happening in baseball because it's young, exciting, fun teams that are going to be colliding in what should be a terrific series. And man, later today, the A's are playing the Yankees. And if today's game was any indication, I'm going to need to take a nap and as my dear friend the comedian Becky Donahue said I'm going to need a nap and a banana (laughs) I don't know why I just felt compelled to quote that but I remember saying that when she was doing a stand-up bit about a friend of hers who was just too energetic and she says when I hang out with you I need to take a nap and have a banana and that always made me laugh So Becky Donahue, I'm going to link you as well because you're a terrific person. You've always been a great friend. I haven't seen you recently. I haven't seen you enough. 
but you're a good egg, you're a good person, you were at my wedding, and uh, you made me laugh a lot, including with that line that I'm quoting here. Congratulations to the Rockies, and hey, Cub fans, congratulations. You now can suffer like a normal fan. It's a much more constructive way to live your life. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, you know, I'm I'm getting tongue-tied. Let me do that again. Go to sullybaseball.com. Oh, there we go. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Facebook. You can go to Twitter. You can go to SoundCloud. Uh, Did I say, uh, you can go to Instagram, where my handle is sullybaseballpodcast. If you want to be old school, you can send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music, as always, is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Loving how October begins. This has been Sully Baseball for the third day of October 2013. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.